You're listening to Your Music, Your Business, a podcast helping you to explore the business behind your music. Hello all and welcome back to Your Music, Your Business, a podcast helping musicians and industry professionals understand the music business. Today I'm joined by Viv, founder and director of Dryer's Dream and District Direct, as well as a board member of Q Music. Welcome Viv, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh my gosh. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> and a great one to, to warm you into all other podcasts in the future. You'll you I think you'll probably get a taste and then you're like, I'm ready for more. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. Well, let's jump into it. And firstly, um, I can almost guess that there'll be a lot of people on here listening who aren't across what Gyrostream and Distro Direct do. Can you break it down for us a little bit, please? Yeah. Um, so Gyrostream, I'll start with Gyrostream because um, it's probably what people are the most familiar with. Um, if you have, you know, looked into distribution um, and you're an artist um, or part of an artist team in Australia and New Zealand. So um, we are um, one of the leading, if not the leading, um, independently owned digital music distribution company um, in Australia. Um, we are Australian owned and based in Brisbane. Um, and we have a, an online platform that allows artists to upload their music for release on all major digital um, streaming providers worldwide, so DSPs. And um, our, our main focus for Gyrostream is Australia and New Zealand artists and getting their music heard globally across all of those platforms. So as well as that being our core business, we offer a whole bunch of other stuff, which maybe I can go into later. Um, and then the other side of our business is called DistroDirect, which we launched uh, last year, 2021. And it is a white label music distribution platform. So it's really focused on our export market, um, but we do have a few partners in Australia and New Zealand. The platform allows people to start their own music distribution service um, under their own brand. And so it's a perfect solution for labels, uh, managers, music studios. We've got a few music um, course universities and that kind of thing using the platform. Um, and it just allows um, people to have sort of a, a full turnkey solution where they can manage a whole catalogue of artists and their releases. Um, and we do all the kind of hard work um, behind the scenes with delivering the music and the customer service. And then, then they can just focus on building their artist community. So, yeah, that's kind of the, the two parts to our business. That's amazing. I love that. You sound like you've got your hands full with those two uh, going at the same time. <laughs> yes, it's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's a nice little juggle, but we love it. So, um, yeah, it's been a fun challenge. Yes, definitely. Sounds like it. Um, well, tell us about how you got into founding a distribution company in particular and I suppose the music industry. Um, yeah, okay. So, I mean, I might start with my journey into the music industry. Um, I've always obviously loved music since a young age and I've always seen myself working in the music industry. I um, I went to, to university and, and did a journalism degree majoring in music. Um, and I thought I'm going to be the editor of Rolling Stone and I'm going to make all this money. And I had these dreams of, you know, my favorite movie, Almost Famous, 
you know, you know, going and traveling the world and writing about bands. And then I kind of realized that you, you can't make much money off music journalism. <laughs> so um, I, and as much as I love doing it and I did a lot of sort of internships and free uh, writing and, and, and music uh, interviews and writing for different publications, street press and newspapers and stuff. But then I just decided um, it might be a better idea to get into um, the other side of music journalism, which is, I guess, on the flip side is publicity and marketing. So I moved into that world um, and I had a few jobs that were sort of sort of related to music, but more in the arts. So I was a, a film publicist um, for Warner Brothers and Roadshow Films for a little while. Um, the agency that I worked at, um, we looked after some Frontier and Chug contracts for Queensland. And before that, I worked as a political media advisor, which was a very interesting role. Um, oh. And then after that, a, a theatre a marketing manager and publicist um, in Canberra. And then I thought, no, I, I just want to work in the music industry. I want to work with artists. I want to be a little bit closer to their creative process, which is really what the music, working as a publicist in the music industry allows. So I worked for an agency here in Brisbane for a few years. And then, um, I don't know, I just kind of got a little bit uh, hungry for something more. And um, I met Andy and Andrew, who are uh, the co-founders um, of Gyrostream. And they both have very different skill sets to me and they needed someone who could do the marketing and the publicity side um, of the business. And uh, yeah, asked me if I wanted to come on board with them and, and form this brand new distribution business and take a, a leap of faith. And so I said, yes, and here we are today. Wow. And that's no small leap of faith as well. Like I'm currently going through the startup process and um, the thought of, trying to convince someone else to come on as a co-founder to it. It's like, that's it. That's a, I'm making a leap of faith myself, but to ask somebody else to do it, it's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. Um, but luckily we all kind of have our, our own unique skill sets and our, our and we all, um, I think like, I, I know I heard someone say that when you go into a, a personal relationship, you want to find someone with the same kind of interests as you. But when you're in a professional relationship, you want to find someone who doesn't, have the same skill set as you yeah um so yeah i think we complement each other in really great ways in, in that way like one person's very much uh loves the money side and 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 you know the budgeting and all that stuff that <laughs> i find terribly boring the other yeah. person is you know the tech person and the mastermind about how things work technically and all that kind of stuff which is obviously super important for us as being a, a, essentially a, a music tech company and then there's me which is like you know the artists and the the promo and trying to get our message out there and all that stuff so it's really it's quite fun sort of also clashing of ideas is also quite fun yeah <laughs> exactly and somehow finding a way where you all have the same moral standpoints and communication and um, working through that as a team that's I think you like really nailed it it's like so different from a romantic relationship and a business relationship has to be something that complements all the different parts that you can't or don't want to do <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely um, but then there's I guess there's also an element of trust like you have to trust them that they 
and they have to completely trust you in 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 what you are, are both going to be doing to help the business. Yeah, exactly. And now you've created Gyrostream, which is a very successful uh, baby of all of yours, um, which is so great to see. And I think, and I particularly love that it is Australian based because I think that is such a unique drawing card um, for musicians when they're looking at uh, distribution because it, it, you don't, if there's ever an issue, you want to be able to contact someone easily. Um, but I suppose I want to switch gears and ask, you you developed Gyrostream and then um, from there you decided to build DistroConnect, or Direct, sorry. What made you and your founding partners want to start DistroDirect? Hmm. Well, I might, I guess, give some background also on the, the Gyrostream side. I mean, when we started Gyrostream, there wasn't really an open offering for DIY independent artists in Australia for distribution that was based here that they could kind of like pick up the phone and ask questions to. So a lot of people were were uploading with offshore companies like DistroKid and CD Baby and TuneCore and, you know, something might go wrong and they wouldn't get an email for back on it for like a week and then their release date and momentum was lost. So there, we did see a gap in the market here in Australia, which is kind of why we jumped in to this space and, and tried to start something here. And once we kind of, you know, we we had our momentum just before COVID, actually, we were looking to open up Gyrostream offices in other territories. And um, we were just about to hire someone who was going to be based in Germany. And then COVID happened and we were like, okay, maybe this isn't such a good idea. We did a lot of market research. We realised that there were already a lot of retail um distribution offerings in the markets that we wanted to get into and the costs that it would have um that we would have had to outlay to get into those markets um was astronomical because of the competition already in those markets so we thought um why don't we try and flip the switch a little bit and create something that um is a little bit different and decided to build the white label platform, which, um, you know, from doing a bit of research, there wasn't that many other people doing it and we thought we could probably do it better. So, um, yeah, so during sort of that first year of COVID, um, we really hunkered down and um, and uh, and built it. Um, well, Andy really did mostly of the work. I, I was off on maternity leave for most of the time. Um and yeah and then we launched it sort of last year and it's been going amazingly so we have um over 250 different micro distributors in about 35 markets around the world now um so micro uh gyro streams if you will but all under their own brands so um yeah it's it's been an interesting journey um and yeah it's just kind of only beginning which is cool yeah, definitely. That's so amazing. I think the you're right, flipping it on its head was a really unique way to be approaching it. I think when we had a um our own discussion outside of this podcast about um distro direct, I remember my brain being like, oh, 
a distribution for my artists, for, for my management, that actually sounds like a really smart idea. Like, that's like, why haven't I thought of doing that before? Why isn't that something that's been done before? Because it just makes sense realistically, particularly if you have such a big roster, um, because it like, there is definitely value in having personalized distribution. But if, if you're, artists are, are just sitting on distribution platforms and not getting that like and they're on on a subscription basis and they're not getting that extra help you may as well just start your own <laughs> mm, i think the benefits also for for some of the partners that we've onboarded like some of them are, are really big labels who ha already have an existing deal with you know someone else but they have all of these artists that are emailing them every week going hey can you please sign me can you please sign me and 90% of the time they're going, okay, well, no, you're not ready or, um, you know, you're not quite the right fit for our label and they'll send them away. They'll send them to TuneCore or they'll send them to CD Baby or wherever. And what they're able to do now is have sort of like a an incubator project where they can go, mm -hmm. we can't sign you to our label, but we can have you in the system and distribute you and see your data and see it first before anyone else sees it see how you're tracking and then maybe upstream you at a later date if you are doing well so a lot of a lot of companies are using it for that purpose and it's working really well for them that's a really great way to look at it i obviously my brain had not come at it from that perspective because i'm a manager <laughs> but from a labels perspective that's completely right it's like looking at investing in that artist and seeing the completely organic and raw stats as they as they build up and then upstreaming them as, as as necessary or like as they can see the potential actually starting to rise because i think even when you're looking at um particular trending genres as well i think that's something i've really come across as in my career as a manager is that i'll i will sign artists and they'll be trending like their genre will, will be trending at that time you know the triple j's of the world and the like radio and um like playlisting and all that sort of thing are really championing a particular type of genre and then it sort of dies down a little bit but it will come back in like a few years and it's like well if you've got a genre that's currently not sitting at the forefront of of its trending space um but it's still great music it's it has potential it's just you can't unlock everything just yet so being able to yeah sign people onto that and be investing in them um yep. is a really great opportunity yeah and i think it's also just about being able to sort of scale their community and and still keep those people close without you know having to send them away and then seeing their big moment happen elsewhere so yeah exactly. it's um it's yeah we i don't know we've used the term sort of democratizing the, the distribution process instead of sending them to these big monopolies that exist and and keeping them you know keeping them as part of your family until you know and and also um businesses being able to scale in that way as well so being able yeah. to include their catalog without you know too much of a financial commitment or burden on themselves yeah amazing um i want to switch back to dryer stream just quickly for a little bit um you offer a few labels services through dryer stream such as pr and digital marketing what made you decide to extend dryer stream past that distribution just distribution 
Um, we always wanted to um, offer more than just we don't we definitely just don't want to always be just a data delivery service. It's it was never the intention for us to just have this platform where people can upload and get their music from point A to point B. Um, it's really important to me, and it's it's been really important to our to my co-directors from the beginning that we are trying to educate artists as much as possible and trying to assist them wherever we can. Um, so we have an in-house team um, of, of a, mar a marketing team, which I manage. So that includes a publicist, um, a digital marketer, um, and we also have um, sort of like a content marketing sort of side as well. Um, and also playlist pitching and we also offer um royalty advances as well so there's a few sort of different things that um we've kind of tacked on to the offering um yeah. and some of those have been because we've seen our competitors do it we think we can do it better some of them have just been things that we've had there since the beginning because we just want to make sure i mean it's fine for someone to deliver a song but if it's not going to stream then why deliver it yeah um, so or if you're not going to try and help them put their best foot forward so we're we're all about trying to give the the most educational tools trying to give the most opportunities to our australian new zealand customer base that we can so we love to partner with third party um services that don't offer what we're, we're offering so there might be a third party playlist pitching platform or a platform that makes quick short form videos or um yeah, other kinds of uh, a graphic designer or something like that that we might want to or an accountant we did one with recently where we might want to just partner with them and either offer an educational webinar or a discount or some kind of partnership where we can enhance the artist's experience and just kind of give them a little bit more than just that basic distribution. Um, it's really important to us that we, you know, look after them and give them as much information as possible to be successful. Yeah, that's so amazing. I think the, yeah, I personally am a strong believer in, in building up the musician and, and educating them um, into different ways as to how, how they can help their own careers. And that's part of how this podcast started as well. Um, and I think it should be part of every bit, like music industry businesses, um, objectives as to how they approach their community. And I think that is something that you, uh, doing really well over there is, is is connecting to that community and, and helping to educate them, which is really great. Um, I want to jump into that education space with you and ask you, what do you currently feel artists should invest in um, building their audiences at the moment? Um, I think that we've never really been on a more level playing field with independent artists have never ever been on a more level playing field in terms of the tools that are available to them ever um, versus the major labels um, and the tools that are available to them. Um, I read an article just yesterday um, saying that major label A&R people are frustrated that they can't break those big superstars anymore um, and, and that the, there's a decline in that happening. Um, and I mean, there's many reasons for that, but one of the biggest reasons is TikTok. Um, yeah. And the, the just with the way that the algorithm works on that platform, um, and artists can blow up on there and um, and create 
a huge community around themselves with a very small budget. You know, mm-hmm. videos don't have to be polished and, and um, you know, made professionally. You don't have to fork out five, ten thousand dollars for a music video or even more than that. Um, you can just make videos on your phone and you just need to talk to your audience and connect with them and find it, find where they are. And as soon as they start talking back to you, lean into that. Um, So, yeah, I would say like content creation and, and trying to create things that will complement your music, but also help bring out your artist's personality and talk to your audience um, and help you interact with them is the most important thing you can do right now. I completely agree. <laughs> I think um, the you made a really good point about the amount of investment that it costs to create that content as well. I'm finding more and more it's harder to justify to my musicians why they need to spend money on a music video because what is that getting us? Because realistically, when you're, when you're posting it on Reels or, um, it, or TikTok or whatever it's going to be, it actually, those very expensive music videos now come across as, Disgenuine. Almost contrived sometimes. Yeah. In a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. And it depends on what kind of artist you are too. That is true. Like you've you've really got to find your niche and and where in your branding you want to be pulling that out. Um, but I do I find it really fascinating that that was the norm for so many years to create a very expensive music video and that's what would you you'd use for promo and you'd become successful and rah rah rah. But now it really does feel like the musician has to switch into that um, more showing themselves again and, and not putting that veil of like, oh, we're cool over the top. <laughs> we're we're, we're, we're uh, approachable but not approachable sort of look. Um, now they've got to sort of strip that back and be like, this is the real us and this is what's interesting about us. Um, and it's really making, it's helping a lot of artists to shine through and it's challenging a lot of artists as well, I think, which is, very interesting space to be in (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah it is um but i mean on on the flip side there there are some artists where that approach doesn't work and it it might never work um Mm. we have some really um substantial classical composers and instrumental artists where you know that 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 approach doesn't quite work because you know the the people who are listening to the music are quite passive listeners but also they're not really following the artists themselves. They're more following the genre. So um, it's like, how do we, you know, how do we market that type of music versus, you know, someone who just wants to be the next pop star or, or indie, big indie rock band. So, yeah, I think there's different different ways of doing things, but the kind of core principle of finding your audience and leaning into that, any feedback that you get and leaning into where the stats are coming from and pushing that more is the most important thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, Now I'd love to sort of do another turn (laughs) um, and talk a little bit more about your work with Q Music. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Q Music supports and promotes thriving contemporary live and recorded music industry uh, for Queensland. I'd love to ask, where do you see peak bodies like Q Music focusing their resources the most currently? Um, oh, that is an interesting one. Um, <laughs> so I've been involved with Q Music since 2018. 
Um, and it's been a really interesting journey um, during that time. Obviously, we've um, so Q Music also run Big Sound, which is um, most people will probably know what that is, but the largest sort of music industry focused um, conference in and uh, trade festival in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, and they also, you know, run the QMAs and they also throughout the year um, facilitate a whole bunch of grant programs and also uh, professional development programs like Q Music Connect and, and other things. So um, there's there's a lot of things that peak bodies that will like Q Music do. I don't have a lot of experience with the peak bodies in other states, but I do know that they all have very different structures. Some have teams half the size of Q Music because their funding structures are slightly different. Um, and some have just as many staff. Um, some have one person like Music Tasmania. Um, so it just oh depends, God. I think. But I think the, the core, I mean, fundamental purpose of a an, an organization like that is to really try to find ways and whatever ways those are um, to, fostered their local industry, both, you know, um, in an economic way, but also in an educational way. Um, and just try and find opportunities and work with all levels of government to um, get funding, um, whether it's putting on events, whether it's educating, whether it's grants. Um, there's a myriad of ways of doing things. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I guess, what I, I think that they should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It was a very broad question, but it was broad on purpose because I think it is um, opening up that conversation about some, what some of these key um, peak bodies are doing or where they're focusing on is some is so important and sometimes can be the difference between musicians and music industry professionals feeling like their voice is being heard. Um, and I think for me, I, like we have an artist managers association for the whole of Australia. Um, yes. And that was one of the biggest, like that association was one of the biggest uh, reassurances for me in COVID that they were going to our government and advocating for what we needed and what we wanted as a, as a whole, but then also um, as like, like as a whole industry but then also at for managers and i think um there's been a lot of great work done across um a lot of key peak bodies that including you know q music music victoria um you, you name it there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot of them that have actually all sort of come together recently and been in talks about how we can collaborate in a way to present a message move like moving forward um, to the government as to finding the best way to help the music industry because we're currently being very roped into arts and entertainment. <laughs> yes, yeah. I um, think, um, yeah, I mean, just recently the submissions closed um, for the federal government's national cultural strategy. Um, and I know that, um, and it, since I was have joined the Q Music Management Committee, there's been a, a change in federal government, um, which has been um, hopefully a positive change. I mean, we, we now have an arts minister, which we didn't have before. Um, and they um, seemingly are very invested in 
not just the arts, but also they know how important economically the music industry is to Australia's cultural cultural economy. And I think that um, that's like one part of the puzzle, like having a, a party in power that cares, but also I think what COVID's done, and if there's anything great that's come out of COVID, it's, it's forced the industry, not just peak bodies, but the key players, so major labels and APRA AMCOS and Live Nation and, and all of those kind of like key industry players to work together um, and figure out what we what we really want and what we really need um, to help us kind of recover but also thrive coming out of COVID. So it's been really, yeah. it's been nice to see and I'd like, I'd like to make sure that it continues. Mm. Um, I know that there are calls now for a government-funded national body um, to look after certain agenda points um, that are, are hopefully going to help the whole industry. So um, having that come to fruition would be pretty cool. Um, and I think it would help it be quite um, like bipartisan as well if it was something that was sort of federally funded. Yes. Um, I definitely don't think that one organisation or one one commercial organisation over another should be the leaders of those conversations. It should definitely be um, either a not-for-profit or some something uh, where it's less able to be influenced by outside agendas. Yeah, that's completely true. That's exciting as well to hear that that, that, that is something that is being pushed forward as an idea and that um, I think a lot of people sitting on this, uh, listening to this would probably agree that like that sounds like something that we all need um, and that, yeah, I, I think you're completely right. There was a huge shift in the music industry during COVID of um, coming together and coming of like a, a coming together of minds as well. Um, and that was an amazing thing to see. And it's, it's interesting to see how, like what is, still sticking and what's unraveling itself um but it's uh, so far so good I think <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah. um well my last question for our session today is one I ask absolutely everyone um and that is when you're 90 years old in a retirement home and wanting to brag to your room neighbor about what you did during your long life what would you <laughs> like to say to them <laughs> Oh gosh. Um, well, I'm just about to have my second son, so um, I, I would hope I would those my my son, my two sons would be the things I would brag about the most. Yeah. Um, but um, following that, in terms of my sort of professional life, um, I would like to think that um, I made a, a difference. Um, and I'm I'm quite patriotic for Queensland, but a difference to the Queensland music community in particular. I think that we have a lot of great talent here and it's not often that um, people can stay in Queensland and work full-time in the music industry. A lot of people do move into state, Sydney and Melbourne, um, where there are larger businesses, but being able to build a sustainable business that is based here in Brisbane um, mm. and employ a number of people um, to work full-time in that business. I think there's something that I'm really, really proud of. Um, and then I guess, you know, there's all the stories about all of the famous people that I have, have um, come across and met, which, you know, 
I guess if if the person I'm talking to in the other room even remembers who they are, they might be impressed. But you know, <laughs> that, um, you know, fundamentally, it's really like being able to give people a sustainable career in the music industry and and ideally, you know, employ them in a role and, and an organization that has a good culture where they feel welcome, where they feel like they're doing something important um, and, yeah, where they feel like they're contributing to something something a little bit bigger than themselves. I think that that's probably the biggest achievement I would be talking about. Wow. I can't wait to see you do that. <laughs> that sounds great. And and probably have your uh, your children coming in to visit you as you, you go along. That'll be fantastic. <laughs> I wonder what they'll have in um, retirement homes. Like, you know how now they have someone that, you know, comes in and plays the piano and they sing hymns or, like, really old Scottish songs or whatever. I wonder if, like, in 50 years they'll have some, like, hip-hop group come in and do, like, a dance or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, or like a, so somebody comes in and customises a playlist for everyone to listen to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It would be interesting to kind of see how that develops and how the, how the, how the entertainment, you know, everyone's meeting in the in the lounge to, you know, hear the, the performer come for today and, yeah, who that who that might be? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I'll see you in the I'll see I'll see you in the retirement village. We'll yeah. do some. Maybe we could um, maybe we could be like the bookers, the oh, circuit. Yes, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> We've uh, we, we we just have to have to decide which uh, state we're going to retire into, and then I'm there. <laughs> Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I love that. I my brain was even as you were saying that. I was like, God, I can imagine them like trying to play say us and like um saying, Oh, you know, here's a QR code where you can scan it for you. And, like they're just totally talking down at us, being like, Oh, you poor little pet still using a QR code. Will <laughs> <laughs> probably be some hologram performer or something that'll Yes, come. yes, yeah. that was my other thought too. It's like, oh, you know, they've the they paid big bucks to get, or maybe by then it's like medium bucks to get the, the hologram of, you know, the Harry Styles 10 years ago sort of thing. <laughs> Harry Styles, I don't know if he's going to be very um, attractive by the time I'm 95. No, but if, <laughs> if they have it on the discography, maybe. Like, we'll just, yeah. well, they'll, they'll yeah. pull it out the archives for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too funny. I love the sound of this future. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for your time today, Viv. It was lovely to talk about all the distribution and um, key industry bodies. And I hope that everyone got a little bit of uh, a new background as to all of those elements of the music industry. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I guess it's always good to just kind of share what's going on. And um, yeah, if anyone, you know, wants to reach out at any point, um, I am just about to go on maternity leave, but I'll be back. So um, yeah, we, we always love to hear from new, new musicians or just people wanting to find out more about how distribution works. It's becoming more and more complicated um, as time goes on. We, you know, even a few years ago, video deliveries we didn't really do a lot of those and then we've got apple spatial audio now which is um an interesting um thing thrown into the mix so there's it's just getting more complicated so um yeah the more education we can give people around it the better
Definitely. Well, I will make sure to um, add some of your contact info into the show notes for everyone to see. Um, and most likely everyone that will be her email. And if you get sent a out of office, you're going to have to wait. <laughs> yeah. Well, otherwise, you know, our team's here. I'm going exactly. to that's exactly right. It does not just stop because you're you're going to have a son. There's that there is a team that will help to assist, yeah, which I am very grateful for. Yes, definitely. Okay, well, everyone, we will talk to you all soon.